Haul the roll and go. Where am I to go, me Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Hello, and welcome to Where Am I to Go podcast. Today, before we start the show, I would like to bring up some business things that have kind of been on my mind so that you can know where to get more Where Am I to Go. First off, I'd like to talk about the Facebook page at Where Am I to Go podcast. It's on Facebook, and we've been posting some wonderful pictures of some of the places that we've been and some of the adventures that we've had. Not everything that we go and do is made into a podcast. And so we take pictures at different places and post those pictures so that you guys can enjoy some of the different places we've been. Also, I really am interested in listener feedback. I have an email address at whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear some of the listeners' comments and some of their ideas of places that might be interesting to visit and go and do. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We just got through taking a trip uh, from Wyoming out to Oregon and back, and we had the privilege of having Allison, our granddaughter, with us, and we went and did all kinds of really fun things. And it was so much fun having Allison with us because it was interesting to see the excitement of uh, somebody seeing new places, experiencing new things, and having some young blood, some youth perspective, and some youth input. So today I decided that I would interview Allison for posterity reasons, but not only that, but to share with you some of the youthful insights and some of the things that we did on, on our trip and get Allison's perspective as to just what she thought, what she did, and how much fun she had, or maybe she didn't have fun. I guess we're going to find out. Hello, Allison. Welcome to Where Am I to Go podcast. Thanks, Lauren. We're, we, we started our trip, and how long were we gone? Three weeks. We were gone three weeks. Yeah. And you had to go to school the whole time. Yep. How did you do that? Tricky. (laughs) Very trickily. So we we went uh, from the middle of September through the first week in October, and Allison had to get permission from her school teachers in order to be able to make this trip. I think COVID may have made things a little bit easier because the teachers are all kind of used to letting the students do things by Zoom or whatever, but... uh, what was your teacher's reactions to, to you saying you were going to be gone for three weeks? Well, most of them were just jealous that they couldn't go. And there were a couple that just looked at me really funny and said, okay. That's it? <laughs> yeah. And did you have problems getting your schoolwork done on the trip? Only when we didn't have internet. And how often was that? Most of the time. <laughs> 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 it, it was definitely a challenge. I knew that I had to find places for the internet to work, and for some reason, I can tell you that internet does not work very well anywhere right now. It's amazing. We had to drive around towns that I thought would have internet until we found a parking lot or something like that that we were able to stop. And then Allison would have to sit there for a couple of hours downloading her schoolwork and doing it. But she did it, and it was all really good. 
<clears throat> okay, so we took off on Friday and we went to Fort Bridger, Wyoming. Tell us about Fort Bridger. Well, the first thing I noticed when I walked in was all the cool buildings. And they had like the first little area where they had used to have the big house, the mansion that... Um, I think it was Carter's. Yeah, Jim Car I mean, Carter Jim Bridger was... Jim Bridger was... Was who had the fort. Yeah. But the Carters bought it afterwards. Yeah. And the I'm tricky part is... I'm hoping I got the name right. <laughs> the dude's name was Carter. Okay. They bought it. But when Jim Bridger first... First had the fort, he had scouted... He had been scouting out the area, I think. And? And he decided this would be a good spot. And him and his... Partner. Partner, yeah. What was the partner's name? Jim Bridger's partner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. <laughs> it'll tell us what his name was. I can't remember. But they developed like a store for the pioneers when they were coming through. Like a stopping point for them to restock on all their supplies and stuff. And Jim Bridger's job was going ahead and telling all the pioneers to keep going. There's a place to stop ahead. And the Jim Bridger's partner did all the uh, stock work and making sure everything was running and all the paperwork because Jim Bridger was illiterate. Couldn't read or write. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But the thing that I thought was really cool about uh, Fort Bridger is they set it up at a access point of all the trails. The Mormon Trail, the Oregon Trail, the California Trail... Uh, a lot of the different uh, gold mining towns and that type of stuff, uh, the trails going through there with the 49ers and that type of stuff, all came through that point. Yep, so everybody stopped there. Right. Okay, then we went from Fort Bridger. Where did we go? Well, then there would be when there's a lot of debate on how the Mormons got it. Oh, Right. Because um, the Mormons owned it, owned Fort Bridger at one point in time after after, uh, Jim Bridger. after Jim Bridger. And nobody actually knows how the transaction happened for sure. Because Jim Bridger, being illiterate, had the other dude doing all the paperwork. And when he comes back one day, the, sort was, the fort was sold. And so he was angry because his signature was just an X. And so who knows if the partner sold it and just signed for him, or if it was taken by force, or if Jim Bridger was just too drunk to remember signing his own name. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, Fort Bridger was a really cool place. I learned so much there. Uh, it was just, it was remarkable. Uh, and I, I thought I knew a lot of Wyoming history. I realized how much I really didn't know at Fort Bridger. Again, we did a podcast there. The podcast is excellent. Uh, so much information. Listen to it. <clears throat> and then we went on into Salt Lake. We had we had some ideas of what we wanted to do at Salt Lake, but Salt Lake didn't turn out to be too beneficial to us. A lot of the things that we were wanting to see were closed, and we drove around a lot. Yeah, we did. There was people walking around in costumes. Couldn't figure out why they were walking around in costumes, but they were. Comic-Con was going on is what we found out later. Where, yeah. Uh, like for Superman and Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff, they have a big convention there. And 
it was kind of interesting because we just thought there was a bunch of weirdos in Salt Lake. Yeah, <laughs> everybody was walking around in superhero costumes. <laughs> Pretty sure I saw some Star Wars characters too. Yeah, yeah, there were some of those there. And some costumes, I couldn't figure out what they were. <laughs> and then we took off from Salt Lake, and where did we end up? We went through the Salt Flats. Tell us about the Salt Flats. Um, the Salt Flats is, I imagined just like patches of salt, but no, it's all salt. Everything is salt. It's, it looks like snow. For about as far as you can see. Yeah, for, yeah. And was there anything exciting happen on the salt flats? We got to drive on the salt. You got to drive. Yeah, I did get to drive on the salt. <laughs> did you did you drive as fast as the blue flame? In my brain I did. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't scared, so I know you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then we were we were going to go through northern Nevada, and for some reason that didn't work out right. And uh, and as we were driving through uh, northern Nevada, we ended up deciding to change plans because we were because of fires in California. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we took off and we went to where? To we went to Virginia City first. And we went where do we know? We went someplace before oh, Virginia. Reno. Reno. We went to Reno first. And what did you think of Reno? There was a lot of lights. It was pretty cool. <laughs> And I thought it was interesting that something could be the biggest little city in the world. <laughs> I don't know how you can be a little city while also being the biggest of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but we drove up and down the main street, looked at the lights, and there yeah. was some kind of cool things. And then we, then we headed up to Virginia City, and yeah. that's in Nevada also. And tell us about Virginia City. Well... We bought a lot of saltwater taffy. Oh boy, we did. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the saltwater taffy was expensive, but we ate it the whole rest of the trip. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of old buildings. That part was really cool. And there's ice cream. Oh. <laughs> Lots of places with ice cream. Okay. And there was a person walking around in a very old-timish costume. Spurs and everything. Okay. Just walking around town. <laughs> And it's it's an old mining town, but it's uh, it, I'd say it's more on the touristy side. Yeah, uh, definitely geared towards tourists and things that tourists would want, like saltwater taffy, especially if you're going to eat it for the rest of your trip. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, we got kind of thwarted by fires. So we ended up turning around and going back through Reno and into a little town called Fernley and then headed northwest through uh, Nevada. And as we went through Nevada, we decided we would look at Atlas Obscura and it took us to a little town called Gerlock. Tell yes. us about the trip towards, well, we stopped at a little, muse a little Indian museum or Native American museum there too. That one was really cool. I like looking at all the old Indian stuff that they would hand make, like all their baskets and stuff, and the knives. And that was a that was a really nice little museum. We weren't able to get a podcast there, but we did hit the museum and and look at some pretty cool things. And then 
we went through Nevada, and Nevada had some interesting landscape, it seemed like, for, for the whole time that we were going through that northwestern part. It was kind of a volcanic uh, hills, uh, wide open, all except not, not wide open that you could see hundreds of miles, but wide open in a way that there were uh, not a lot of trees or, or shrubs or anything, but a lot of mountains. Yeah. And then we got to Gerlock. What did we do when we went through Gerlock? We got to go see an old terraced graveyard. Um, terraced? Like, there was different levels to it in different areas from different time periods. That wasn't Gerlock. That was in Virginia City. That, that was in Ger Virginia City. That was in Virginia City. That, that Virginia City cemetery was really cool. They had some really big headstones and some of that. But Gerlock, we hit uh, Guru Road. Yes, with all the cool rocks. People would write different things on the rocks and different sayings and stuff. And they were, mm -hmm. it was about a mile and a half long. Again, yep. Allison got to drive on Guru Road. But there's just lots of uh, inspirational sayings, I guess, or, or just oddball sayings <laughs> and some of yeah. that kind of stuff. It's, it's a pretty interesting place. Uh, I don't know if it'd be worth the trip all by itself, but if you're ever in that area, it's definitely worth the, the little trip around just because it's fun. Yeah, and I, while I was driving, I saw a tarantula, <laughs> so we had to stop and see the tarantula because I'd never seen one before. And how close did you get to this tarantula? Very close. He was going to steal <laughs> your quarter, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I got my quarter back, though. <laughs> We Even, put a quarter down next to the tarantula just to so, show the size and take a picture, and, and then she had to figure out how to get her quarter. Yeah. <laughs> the tarantula wasn't being overly cooperative. Yeah. I had to get it with my foot, and Lauren scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Thought the tarantula was going to get me. And then from there, we, we went into Northern California, and that, that, the country turned a little bit different as we got into California. A lot more trees, a lot more kind of grass yeah. rangeland. And it was, it was quite pretty. But uh, we were still dealing with fire issues uh, because there was a big fire going. We were going to go to Tule Lake and check out the lava caves. Uh, everything was closed down, so we weren't able to do that. We had a lot of adaption on this trip. Things that we thought we were going to do, we didn't do. And things that we had no idea we were going to do, we did do. So we went yeah. to, we went through Tule Lake. And then uh, we were coming around and we were looking at Mount Shasta. Yeah. It's, it's huge. You thought Mount Shasta was pretty impressive? Yeah. And then we went to... Shasta Lake and the Shasta Caves. Tell us about that. Yeah. Caverns. I guess it was yeah, Shasta, Shasta Caverns. Shasta Caverns. We got to ride in a boat across the lake after they bust us down to the lake. And we got bust back up the other side of the lake to the caves because the lake was so low from the fires. And what did you think of the lake itself? It was really pretty. It was really low. You could see where it was lowering very the lake. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And this was interesting. When we got there, from my perspective, uh, we went to pay, and it cost us, for the three of us to go through, I think it was something like $90 or something. I was just kind of shocked because I thought, wow, that's awful expensive to go walk through a cave. But what I didn't realize is that we had about a three-quarter of a mile bus ride down to the lake. Then they put us on a boat 
that took us across the lake. And then when we got to the other side, they had another bus that took us three quarters of a mile up to the caverns. So they had a lot of expense in that, but it was a nice boat ride. It was a nice bus ride. The, the drivers of the bus and the boat were very informative of, of the lake and, and other things. They talked to us the whole time. So when we got all through with the experience, I thought it was well worth it. But tell us about the caverns themselves. The caverns? were actually really cool because the, all the stalactites and stalagmites were growing really, really cool. Um, stalactites go from the top, stalagmites go from the bottom because they might touch the ceiling. Okay. <laughs> and the other ones are tights because... Hmm? I don't remember those ones. They're holding on to the ceiling. Oh yeah, they're holding on real tight. <clears throat> and then there weren't any steps on this trip. <laughs> we only had about... What was it? Two hundred six hundred. Oh yes, six hundred fifteen stairs up, and then two hundred steps down. So it was it was quite the workout. Now her PE teacher told her that she needed to work out every day and to, and to do different things. So so we thought that this was right in line with what she needed to do for her physical education that day. Yeah. It was physical, and you got educated. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you got both. My favorite formation is the cave bacon. Tell us about the cave bacon. It would like grow on the walls, and it's why it, the caves didn't echo at all. Is because the cave bacon would absorb all that sound, and they kind it was kind of um, wavy, so it looked like bacon. I think they call them ribbon formations, also. Yeah, I, I like cave right. bacon because it's after food. <laughs> <laughs> And then after we got through with Mount Shasta, we headed uh, on into a little town called Weed, California. We didn't. We, we were going to take a, a bad road there. Uh, it was going to take us up over a mountain that wasn't going to be fun. We got we got warned really early on to turn around and go another way. Yeah, so we said, did. On the other side of that hill we were about to go over, they said, well... It's all steep and rocky, and you have to go about 10 miles an hour all the way down. Otherwise, you might fall off the road. And then we ended up at, uh, what was Willow Willow Creek. And Willow Creek had an interesting little museum. Yeah, they had the Bigfoot Museum. The Bigfoot Museum. It was also a China, China, China stuff museum. There was a lot of there was a lot of historical stuff there, but tell us what you thought about the Bigfoot. Um, they had the Bigfoot footprints were interesting because what they do is they'd pour the uh, molding stuff into them, and then they'd have the footprints except solid. Those were pretty cool, like the casts of them. And they had lots of different lots of different footprints. And we did yeah. get a podcast there, so you can listen to, to that podcast also. Uh, it'll be coming out here in another couple weeks. But uh, the Bigfoot Museum was quite interesting, I guess just because I've been following Bigfoot since I was your age. Mm -hmm. But to actually see the, cast, the castings and uh, some of the videos and some of that kind of stuff was, was extremely interesting, yeah. I thought. Yeah, and it was interesting because at Shasta Caverns, they were also telling us about their Bigfoot encounter there. Oh, yeah. Well, the, we were riding the bus back down. Yep, they said that the tour guide had brought them out of the caverns, and the Bigfoot chased them all the way down the hill. 
And the tour guide was so scared that she actually quit her job that day. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we got a couple of Bigfoot uh, stories while we were on our trip. Yes. And then from there, we went on over to the California coast at Acadia. And you got to see what? I got to see the ocean. (laughs) For a Wyoming girl, I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it is. And I'd only been to the ocean once before in my life, so it was pretty cool. The waves were bigger than I thought. You'd gone to the ocean in... uh, Texas. Texas, right. And there's no comparison between the waves that come up on the shore in Texas versus the ones that come up on the shore in California, Oregon, and and that area. Yeah, you'd be standing 10 feet away, and then pretty soon you're running away because a random wave came in, and it's coming in. (laughs) And the breakers out there were 20, 30 feet high coming on in, and a lot of noise. Yeah, Yeah. they sounded like freight trains. They were coming. And did you find any shells? I found a lot of muscly things. The muscles grew, grew barnacles. Okay. On the muscles. And I did find some shells. And sand dollars. We found a few of those too. Okay, then we went up to Crescent City, uh, California, and then we started inland again a little bit. And what did we encounter then? We found we went to see the redwoods. And what did you think of the redwoods? Those were the biggest trees I've seen in my life. They were huge. <laughs> huge. Like I was crawling between the roots. The thing that I thought was amazing is is the redwoods are big, and they're really impressive. But usually when you take a picture of something, it doesn't do it justice. But when we were driving away from the redwoods, and I was looking at the pictures we took, the pictures actually showed how big the redwoods really were, because you could see a tree, and you looked like an ant standing yeah. in front of a, a normal tree. Yeah, it would look like you were just standing inside the root cavity. You know, they were huge trees. And and then there were some that you were able to crawl through little tunnels on the on the root uh, wads or whatever. And, and yeah, we took a hike through the to the redwoods for I don't know a mile, mile and a half, something like that. What okay. did you think about the hike? It was really fun, and we found slugs. <laughs> they were banana slugs. They were like this the size of my finger. <laughs> They were icky. (laughs) (laughs) But you touched them. I did. I touched them. (laughs) And they felt really good, right? Oh, great. So slimy. (laughs) And then what about some of the other plants and stuff in amongst the redwoods? The ferns and stuff were really cool. I liked the big bushy plants that grew under the trees. Because they look like, you know, the undergrowth we have here. We just have some little things and then compared to the trees they looked like they could just be those tiny bushes that we normally see but compared to me they were huge (laughs) it's kind of a magical place yeah it is so and then from there we went to crater lake and what did you think of crater lake it was cool you could look down and it was just the lake but it was a volcano too and Were, were you able to see the rim all the way around where the volcano actually was yeah it was different from Yellowstone because you could actually see all the way around it, which was really cool. And the lake was pretty. And then from there we went 
back down to the coast. We ended yeah. up in New, well, south of New, we ended up in Florence. And uh, and then we had several days, well, we had two days, I guess, on the beach. Again, anything you want to add to your to your previous beach story? Um, I found more shells. <laughs> I will say that Allison found lots of shells on this trip. Uh, and we kept putting them in a compartment in our RV. And we just said that the door really stunk. Every time we opened that door, everybody in, in a whole town would know that we had something inside that door. I'm sure yep. that there's still stories being told about the door that we opened. Yep, that's because I collected some live mussels that I found. It just so happened to still be alive when I collected them off the beach. Like the seagulls hadn't gotten to them yet. Yeah. So, and then from there we went back to my brother's house in Salem, Oregon. And the next day we went to another museum. We didn't get a podcast there, but there was something cool in that museum. Yeah, that was the, which one was it? Which one was it? The Air Museum. And what was in the Air Museum? Airplanes and helicopters. And what airplane specifically? The Spruce Goose. And what did you think of the Spruce Goose? It was the biggest airplane ever. (laughs) (laughs) We got to go inside of it, so that part was cool. We got a tour of the inside of the Spruce Goose, which is the biggest wooden airplane ever made. And you got to watch videos of how they made it. Who who made yeah. it? Do you remember who, who made it? It was Howard, Howard Hughes. Okay. Yeah. And he was a genius person. Extremely smart. And he he understood everything. It seems like a lot of people use that to their benefit, though. Meaning? What, what do you... Like, tr- they... At, like, near the end of his life, that he was, tr- like, moved from different hotels so that nobody could ever really see him. Okay. And and the Spruce Goose itself, okay, let me, let me talk a little bit about this museum. It's called the Evergreen Museum in McMinnville, Oregon. And I've been there a couple of times. They've got a lot of really cool planes in there. They've got, it's, it's a very nice museum. But... They have the Spruce Goose. It was moved there from Southern California. The Spruce Goose only flew for like a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. There was a story that went with that. Do you remember the story? They they just put it in the water, and he said that he was just going to turn it on. And taxi it. And taxi it, yep. So they, the first time they did it, he did just turn it on and taxi it, and most of the reporter people got bored and they left. And so there's two reporters that stayed. And this time, instead of just taxiing it like he was supposed to, he decided to actually take off, and he flew it for a mile. And so all the other reporters were in big trouble because they got off and missed the first flight. (laughs) (laughs) And so they were most likely fired, and then the two that stayed got some really good stories to write. And what about the co-pilot? Was he he flying with Howard Hughes on that flight? No, the co-pilot was not flying. Um, Howard Hughes told him that uh, he could go ahead and stay home. All they were going to do is taxi. He was afraid that they wouldn't let him fly. He was he was told he yeah. he couldn't fly the plane. Yep. But so he, he knew that if he didn't do it, then he'd still be ridiculed for building this great big plane that couldn't fly. Everybody was calling it uh, Hughes's folly, or or uh, you know, saying that he was taking a lot of money and building this plane that could never fly. And so he was able to prove them wrong. 
Yep, and that was the only time that it ever got to fly. Because after he died, he didn't want anyone else to be able to fly it. Well, and he kept it for a lot of years mm -hmm. before he died, and he kept it up, and all of that, it cost him a million dollars a year to keep that plane uh, before he died. Mm -hmm. And he didn't let anybody else fly it. He was the only one that got to fly it. And the other thing that's cool is if you go to the Evergreen Airport, I think it costs $15 a person to get in, which is reasonable for uh, the two museums, because they've got the airplane museum, and then they have a space... Uh, exploration museum. Uh, we'll talk about that one in a second. But for an extra $10 a person, we were able to go do the cockpit tour. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely interesting. I mean, you get to touch the chair that that uh, Howard Hughes sat in. You get to see all the workings of the plane, and the guides were good. Uh, I, I personally thought it was extremely interesting that he had five backup systems for every system on that plane. If it had one hydraulic line going to it, it had five hydraulic lines going to it. Which was brand new technology for the time because they just, if it failed, it failed, you're crashing. Right. But if it failed for him, he had a backup. And five if the backup them. failed, he had another <laughs> backup. <laughs> and then we went over to the space part of that museum. And what all did they have in there? They had all kinds of rocket ships and they had some missiles in there too. And you could walk around and you could look at the different rocket ships and a recreation of the first man on the moon with all that stuff. And the lunar the lunar dune buggy and, and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. In fact, I got a picture of you taking a picture of Neil Armstrong uh, standing on the moon so that we know who the first person was on the moon. The person <laughs> that took the picture of Neil Armstrong. <laughs> Nobody's identified that guy yet. They're still saying it was Neil. <laughs> he just took a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then we headed back down to the to the beach, and we stayed uh, in Depot Bay. Yeah. And the waves were really big there. The sea wasn't happy that day, was it? No, it was. It was more than angry. <laughs> When we, we were supposed to be doing a whale watching tour, had it all yeah. reserved, paid for, and they called us up and told us that they weren't going to do it because the waves inside the bay were 12 foot and the swells out in the ocean were 20 foot, and they just didn't think it was safe for us to go do that. But So we didn't get to see any whales, right? We saw whales. Oh, we saw whales. We did. We went to see that lighthouse. Uquina Bay. Yeah. Or Uquina Head, excuse me. Yes, and we got to see the whales. They'd come and break the surface, and you could see them. How would you know where they were? Because the water would have like a white ring about where, where they were about to come up at, or where they had just come up at, so you could see where they were. And when they come up, they'd shoot water. And you could sometimes see the spot of water and then look just in time to see their tail coming out of the water. It was, it was a lot different than being right up close and personal like what we had hoped. But we still got to see whales, which was cool. Yeah, we did. You could see that they had barnacles growing on them. Those barnacles just grew everywhere. And then we went down to uh, Newport the next day. And when we were in Newport, uh, we went down on the, the old town or right down on the, on the bay. And what did you think of that? It was cool. Is that where all the boats were? That's where all the boats were. Yeah, and we got to see sea lions. 
and yeah. They were, sea lions were loud and they were funny. I feel like I could be a sea lion. Sit on, <laughs> just sit on my rock all day and yell at anyone that tries to get up there with me. <laughs> they were very entertaining. In fact, we had to eat lunch on a, on a deck that kind of hung out over where all of the sea lions were. Yeah, there's one sea lion that did not want anybody to share his platform with him. And what happened when they did? He would chase them off. <laughs> and then they'd just like flop over backwards into the water again. <laughs> he'd bark at them and everything. And if they still didn't get off, he'd chase them. And if they still didn't get off, he'd bite them. <laughs> until they finally fell off. And so then we, we walked through all the little shops there in, in Newport. And uh, we did get a podcast at a really cool store. It's kind of an oddity store called uh, Femi Fatali. And uh, th that you'll be able to hear that podcast coming up here too. Or, or maybe when this one comes out, you will have already heard it. Uh, then from Newport, we went to Tillamook. Yeah, we got to see some cheese. <laughs> It's interesting driving to Tillamook because I see the beef cows, and out there they're all dairy cows. Oh, yeah, here in Wyoming <laughs> we see beef, and they're out there everything is dairy. Yeah, so it was significantly different. But then we got to the factory, and the cheese was really good, and the ice cream was really good. <laughs> you got to eat the ice cream. And we got to watch how they make the cheese, and they had little things that would tell you what was happening where. And how they did it before versus how they do it now that they have their newer technology. And then they have they have windows all the way along their, their factory assembly line or whatever. They bring in 40-pound blocks of cheese. They cut it up into smaller blocks. And it goes into packaging and weighing. And uh, it's, it's yeah. quite interesting to stand there and watch the cheese going through the processing yeah. uh, process. And it's interesting because the machines do some of it. Most of what I saw was people that would sit there and cut and wrap. And what, what, what would you think of a, of a job like that? I would not like that job. Why is that? <laughs> because I would definitely get bored of just cutting cheese. I'd probably eat too much cheese. <laughs> me too. They'd have to wheel me out every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also went to the Tillamook Air Museum. We did. What would you think of that place? It was pretty cool. I like looking at the helicopters. Okay. I, I like helicopters. And they had these little helicopters that you could buy the plans to build and you could build them. They were gyrocopters, I think, is what they had. Yeah, those uh, are cool. What would you think of the building that that's housed in? That building was humongous. <laughs> pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. from the, It looks a lot bigger on the inside than it did on the outside. And that's it. I was like, oh, that's a big building. And on the inside, I was like, that's a big building. <laughs> it's amazing what all they can put in there. We did a, we did a podcast. It's, it's on one of our older uh, podcasts about the Tillamook uh, Air Museum. And we talk about how big that is, how long it took them to build it, and some of that type of stuff. Uh, but it was able to hold nine blimps. If you can imagine nine blimps inside of a building, and this is all a wood structure, which is just really amazing to me. Yeah, and there used to be more, but they burnt down. Yeah, there were four other four other hangars there. Yeah. And was there? Uh, I I I was excited to show Allison 
the one thing that I thought was so cool, and that was pieces of the Hindenburg. They've yes. actually got some of the fabric and, and pieces of the Hindenburg in that museum. Yeah, that, you that, can was, see. that was cool. Cause in my brain, I thought the whole thing had just been d- demolished. Like, it was all just disintegrated. But they actually have pieces, which was really cool. And the thing, another thing that's cool is is it has the ability to hold that many blimps. But when you put large airplanes in there, they don't even come close to filling up the museum. Mm-hmm. They've got they've got half of that hangar that doesn't even have anything in it. Yeah, and they have fire trucks and airplanes and displays and all kinds of stuff in there, and it still doesn't fill up the whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing building. And then from Tillamook, we headed on up the coast, and we went to Long Beach. Yeah, we got to see the kites. We got to see the kites. And we, we got a podcast at the World Kite Museum. Yes. But before we did that, we stopped off at the Cranberry Fields. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Belle loved the Cranberry Fields. Belle's the dog. Yes. Tell us about Bell and the Cranberry Fields. Because this is going to be, when you listen to the podcast, <laughs> you're going to find a lot of laughing because this dog was was ballistic. Yeah, she, I don't know if there was much going on in her brain other than that there was water and she could run in the water and there was water in the grass so she could run through the water on the grass and she couldn't decide whether she wanted to be running on the water or the, on the grass or the water in the cranberries. And she was so she all was over everywhere, the <laughs> <laughs> and, and it went on for twenty minutes. Yep, of her just running everywhere. It was it was she she was crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's take a quick break and uh, hear from our sponsor, and then we'll come right back. Okay, we're back. <laughs> so at the kite museum, uh, what all did you see there? There was. They made these cool posters. They had like a display of the different posters that had been made to advertise like a kite show. They they have their big uh, kite festival there every year. And they've had it for, I think, 40 years. Yes. And they had 40 years of, um, of posters, posters. Like to advertise the kite festival. Mm-hmm. And people would actually make the posters, like paint them. Different and, artists every year. Yep. So it was the, interesting to see the different styles displaying the same event. It was really cool. My favorite kite was the horse kite. It was hard to see how it would fly, but it was really, really cool. <laughs> and it looked just like a horse. It did. And, and it, was, it had the legs and the head and the body and everything just like a horse. I'm not even really sure how it flew, but yes. he said that it did. Yeah, and it was almost life-sized. Like, it could be the size of a small horse. Right. And then they had a lot of other kites in there. They had some military kites that were that I found extremely interesting uh, that were used for reconnaissance and, and spying and some of that kind of stuff. It was I, th- I thought that part was extreme. Anti-aircraft. They had one yeah. that, that was set up with uh, wires on it that would uh, screw up an airplane if it hit it, and they would try to hit airplanes with these kites. Yeah. Uh, I, I I had no idea that stuff like that happened. Yeah. It's crazy to me that that even works. Yeah. <laughs> that you could mess up an airplane with a kite. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
we we went and watched some kites flying on Long Beach. Yeah, we did, which was interesting for me because I've only ever seen, you know, those little itty-bitty kites fly, but some of those kites were bigger than I am. They had, what did they call them, chain kites or train kites or something where they had like 15 kites on the tail of a great big one? Yeah, those ones were really cool. It was always crazy to me that they can get them up in the air because when I try to fly a kite, it sits on the ground and I'm like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's them with these huge kites just flying. Even the little kids were flying kites. Yeah, it, it's but Long Beach is kind of a cool place that way, uh, as far as it's it's kind of a cat, kite capital of the nation. Yeah. And then we went to Jack's Country Store. Yeah. Do you they, remember Jack's? Yeah, I do. They're already decorated for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't catch that part. <laughs> but it's a it's a store that has a little bit of absolutely everything. It's got the old metal wash pans. It's got hurricane lamps. It's got all of the uh, ladders, like for like, stocking the shelves that move on the rails. Yeah, like the one they that's in Beauty and the Beast when she's looking in the library. Okay. Like a librarian ladder. Well, I'm glad you said that because I haven't seen Beauty <laughs> and the Beast. So, but yeah, it's it, it's got all of it's it's all still set up the way it was probably 75 years ago. It is such a cool little store. And then we came back and uh, camped out at Fort Stevens. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Fort Stevens? <laughs> what you thought of that? It was. Let's see what was there. Fort Stevens was all of the concrete uh, buildings and stuff where they had the big guns at one point in time and all of the... Yeah, that was cool. They, It was not what I expected. I expected like a bunch of little buildings, like what you see in most other forts, but this is like huge buildings. It's a huge concrete complex is what it is. Yeah. With all of the magazine uh, compartments down underneath, some officers' quarters, uh, lookout place up on top so you could look out over the ocean. Yeah, and you could walk and you could walk through everything and see it. You could hike farther back behind that and there would be more little things. buildings and yeah. stuff. But it's, it's kind of a cool place to explore just because there's so many little cubby holes and things to look at and things to see. Yeah. And then we went to the ocean, and there was something on the beach there. What was on the beach? Oh, the Peter Iredale. The Peter Iredale. Tell us about the Peter Iredale. So, from what we could see when we first went down, is you could see, like, the the hole. The, the hole. H-U-L-L. Yeah. The front of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you could see that, like the like the um, the structure. I think some people will call it the bones, the bones of the ship. That, that'd be a good definition of it. And then, if you came in at the right time, you could walk down to it. If you came in at the wrong time, it'd be covered in water. And we were there for a while. And by the when we got there, the water wasn't even to it yet. But when we were leaving, the water was all the way around the bottom of it. It was it was cool. And it was a ship that crashed in 1906. Uh, nobody died in the in the beaching of the Peter Iredale, but it's been on the coast that long. Mm-hmm. 
and it's still pretty cool to be able to go down and, and look at it. It is really cool. And you can see different parts sticking out of the ground, like farther down, to just show you how big it actually was. It was really cool. You could go inside of the hole, and you could look through the different holes and stuff. You know what the part I missed? We went to Garibaldi when we were in Tillamook. We and did. And you did something fun in Garibaldi. Maybe you didn't do something fun. <laughs> you got crabs. I did. That's where the crabs were. <laughs> I was trying to figure out which town that was. We did get, we got to go crabbing. So we got to get my license and we got a crab trap. It was probably like 50 million pounds. <laughs> more like more like 10 pounds. But we could throw it over the railing. And then you'd, wait, you'd have to tie your bait into it before you threw it. But you could throw it over and then the crabs would all crawl in. And then you had to pull it up. It was really heavy. <laughs> it was fun. And then we got to eat crabs, which I'd never even seen a crab before, let alone eat one. And so grab them. You one. had to learn how to grab them correctly. Yeah. And you had to learn how to tell the males from the females. Yep. The females have a circle. The males have a triangle. And the bright red ones are the ones you could keep. No, you like, could no keep the, the other ones too, well, but yeah, they had could, to be a certain size. They had to be a certain size, and you could only keep the males. So you had to throw the females back. Right. But the bright red ones, you could keep them no matter what. You only wanted to keep the ones that were actually big enough to eat, though. And how many did you catch? That we kept, we caught. We kept four, but we caught a lot more. Probably like 15, I think. And I will tell you, Allison is a trooper. We were there on probably warm, one of the warmest, sunniest <laughs> days of the year on the coast. And Allison just stayed right with it. I'm joking. It was pouring down rain like you wouldn't believe. It was miserably cold. And she stayed out there in the rain getting soaking wet for about three and a half hours catching crabs. I was impressed. Yeah, it was fun, and I really wanted to eat a crab because I'd never ate one before. So we got to do that. And we also, I also tried clam chowder for the first time there, too, right after we went crabbing. And it was really good. And what did we eat just about every day? Fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> we had fish and chips in just about every town that we went through just to see which ones were the best. And I think, I think it was a toss-up. Between yep. lunacy in uh, Yachats, yeah, yeah, Y-A-C-H-A-T-S, just north of Florence, and the other one was the bow picker, bow picker, excuse me, bow <laughs> picker uh, in Astoria. And both yeah. of those were really excellent, good. excellent. Yeah. yeah, I like fish and chips. And, and clam chowder. Yes. And crabs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yep. My definition of seafood was changed because I didn't like seafood because all we have here is like shrimp out of a bag and canned tuna, which is not as good as real tuna. Real tuna is way better. We, we did have fish and chips with, with real tuna, and that was good. Yeah. And, really good. And then go, going back on up to Astoria, we went up to the Astoria column. It was... Really tall. We got to walk up the spirally stairs all the way up. There was, what, 200 stairs or something like that? Mm-hmm. And then you get up to the top, and you can see for just about ever. Yep, you can see basically all of Astoria. And you can throw wooden airplanes off the top. 
<laughs> there were a lot of wooden airplanes being thrown. It was it was it was fun. Yeah. Mine did a perfect landing in the grass. Well, mine landed in the trees. Yeah. But there were some people whose planes flew for to 10 minutes. It yeah. was amazing. Pretty sure some of them went like a mile away because we were so high up. By the time they got down, they were so far away that you could hardly see them. Yeah. And then we also hit the Maritime Museum. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of that? That one? That was the big one with all the Coast Guard stuff. Oh, that one was really cool. <laughs> I like the boats. And I got to give a weather forecast. Yes, and, with a green with screen. With a green screen. And you could see yourself on the TV giving your weather forecast, and it would actually show you what everyone else would see. And so you'd be sitting there with the green screen trying to figure out how to point. Well, trying to, <laughs> so you could actually point at what you were trying to point at. <laughs> and I'd go to point with one hand and then realize that, no, it was on the other side. I have to point with my other hand. <laughs> So I would make a very special weather reporter. <laughs> you need a little bit of special education there, huh? Yeah. People can show videos of me in their like special ed classes or something. <laughs> and the Maritime Museum in Astoria is definitely worth a visit. They've got they, they cover a lot of things from uh, fishing uh, in the Columbia River, they have a lot of information about the shipwrecks that happened all along the coast. The Oregon uh, Columbia River into the ocean, uh, Columbia River Bar, is notorious for shipwrecks. Yeah. And they have lots of them documented and, and put out there on the charts that they have. Yeah, what I thought was cool was the, the lighthouse boat that we could go out and they let us tour, look around this boat. What they, was the name of the boat? It was the Columbia. Okay. And, and what was the story with the boat? So what they'd do is they'd go out and they'd anchor it right near the sandbar. And the crew would stay out there for like three weeks at a time. And they'd just live on this boat. And they said even the best of their sailors got seasick because they'd be up in some days 30-foot waves and just be up and down and up and down. And so that would just... Be like there to tell the ships where it was safe to come in, where they wouldn't hit a sandbar or something. And so eventually those got retired. So now now they use like lighthouses and buoys. They use the the buoys that sound like horn honks. Too bad there wasn't one when I was honking the ambulance horn that I could have <laughs> said it was a buoy. <laughs> yes, we were we were we were at a campground one night and it was probably one of the most hody toady uh classy whatever type uh campgrounds that we were that we stayed in and quiet time was from nine o'clock at night until seven o'clock in the morning and allison in order for her to go we, we've got an ambulance that we converted into an rv and in order for her to go we had to put a board with foam on it across the front seats. Well, at 1.30 in the morning, I hear, <laughs> She says she woke up really quick. I was kind of expecting to have the lady next door sitting outside with the billy club waiting for me to wake up so that she could take care of the situation. Yep. I just elbowed the ambulance horn at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> <clears throat> so. I was like, too bad there wasn't a buoy. I could have said that there was just a really big wave. 
But if the boo was that loud, I guess we would have had to be have bigger problems, like a tsunami or something. <laughs> and then you got to see big ships uh, while we were looking at the, well, just all there on the Columbia River. Yeah, I didn't think that ships were actually that big. You could fit my entire house in there like five times. At least. At least five times. Those ships are, are huge. And then, then when we were getting ready to leave and going up the river, there was a, a cruise ship yeah. that was there. And the cruise ship was huge. They just, yeah, they'd go over the, the locks on the Columbia River. They'd start down in Idaho. And they'd, no, they start. Well, they'd start at the at Astoria, and yeah. they go on up the Columbia River, which doesn't really hit Idaho. The Snake runs into it. It goes up yeah. to Washington. Yeah. So they'd come down, and they'd use the locks, which I thought were interesting because they'd fill up one area to where you could just drive through it and like drive over the dam. Explain the locks a little bit more. You've got okay. a dam. And, yep. and with the dam, you've got water behind the dam. Yep, and then on the other side, the water would be lower. And so when the ship needed to go up to the next level, they'd bring in water, and it would just lift the ship up to where they were level with the other side, and they could drive through. And then they'd keep going until they got to the next lock, where it would do the same thing, go up, and they could just drive. And if they were going downriver, they'd put them in at the height and then lower the ship down to the to the next level, to where to come out on the bottom going back downriver. Yeah, which I thought that was really cool. It's smart because they do something similar for fish. What do they do for fish? They have locks like that where the fish ladders. just... Ladders. Yeah, they have ladders and the fish just jump up, except with the boats, it just lifts them up. Right. And then she's talking about we, we went to uh, Bonneville Dam on the Columbia River after we yeah. left Astoria. Uh, we went through Portland, Oregon. Yep. And uh, should we just leave Portland alone? Yeah. Let's just leave Portland alone. <laughs> uh, we did go uh, through Portland. We came out at Troutdale, and we took what is called the old highway uh, down to Multnomah Falls. Yeah. What did you think of that ride? The, it was a pretty ride. The road was cool. I don't think I'd ride my bike down it, though. <laughs> I think I did. I think you did, too. That was a lot of years ago. I, I had a lot less brains than what I do now, or maybe less fear. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we, we stopped at Crown Point. Yeah, and you could look down, and you could see the river. Crown Point like... sits probably 1,000 feet above the Columbia River, and there's a little house there called the Vista House that yeah. uh, was built old. Oh, probably the early 1900s and it was kind of a touristy place because the old highway didn't follow down the Columbia River it had to go up through the hills yeah and so you could drive the old highway and you could look down maybe way up high but you could still see the river way down low right which I thought was really cool lots of sharp curves lots of pretty waterfalls on that ride yeah the waterfalls were pretty and then you got to take a quick picture of Multnomah Falls <laughs> yep because they won't allow you to stop on the old highway to, to get out and walk there or anything else anymore. So we had to stop for pedestrians crossing across the crosswalk to go to the interstate uh, pullout area. And so she was able to click a couple pictures there pretty quick. Yeah, I got some good pictures. And then we went to Bonneville Dam. Yes. We got to go to the fish hatchery over there. 
And what'd you and see there? I saw the biggest fish in my life. They were bigger than I am. And what was it? They, what kind of fish were they? What kind of fish were they? The big kind. Sturgeon. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Sturgeon. They were humongous. Like, I think they said the big, biggest one was what? 11 foot, 15 foot? Some of the biggest ones that caught are that big. The biggest one that was in that, uh, in that pool that they had several, I think, was, was 10 and a half feet. Yeah, they were huge. So, those fish were taller than me. Probably taller than Lauren because he's definitely not 10 foot. I'm not 10 foot. <laughs> so they were huge. They might be able to have a competition in height with Bigfoot. <laughs> Probably bigger than Bigfoot. But uh, They were big fish. Even the trout were big. They how, were, how big were the trout? Bigger than my head. They like, were probably two foot long, uh, maybe even maybe even yeah. a little bit bigger than that. And they're definitely fat because everybody feeds them. You can pay a quarter to feed the fish, so we fed the fish. It's like, no wonder they get so big and fat. They don't even have to worry about swimming around to catch fish because people just throw <laughs> food at them. <laughs> yep. But they do have to worry about people throwing fishing lines in there through their pant leg. <laughs> that was a story I heard when I was growing up. We'd go to Bonneville Dam all the time, and there was a story about a guy that uh, would... That they started missing fish, and they couldn't figure out what was going on, but there was a guy that would visit there quite often with a limp, and he had a fish line going down his pant leg, and he'd go on out and kick that leg and, and uh, suck a fish on up his pant leg and then limp on out. And they finally ended up catching him, but... The story is that, that he got quite a few fish that way before they finally got him. Yeah. He must have had some really loose pants because those fish would be really big to fit up his pant leg. In the 70s, everybody wore bell bottoms. Oh, that's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would even notice. No. Unless someone went up to kick him in the shin, you know, be like, um. <laughs> and then uh, from Bonneville Dam, we went to Cascade Locks. We had dinner. Oh, the next day we uh, we went to the W A A A M museum, which was automotive. Uh, w was Western Automotive and Aeronautics Museum. Anyway, it's an airplane and car museum. Yes, the cars were super cool, and they had. Like, they'd have, like, the time periods, and you could see a car from that time period. You'd find a bike from that time period. Sometimes you'd find a motorcycle. You could just find all kinds of stuff from all time periods. And it was all displayed together. Yeah. And we did get a podcast there, so people can refer back to that podcast and, and see some of what, or hear some of what we saw there. And, uh, yeah. And then from there... We went to Pendleton. Yes. What did we do in Pendleton? In Pendleton, we had the underground tours. I knew there was a museum. And so you could go in, and they'd have you all sign in, and you'd watch this video. And then they'd take you underground. And you could see, like, there would be, like, Chinese where they lived and where they would work, and you could walk through all their old tunnels that went all over under Pendleton, which I thought was crazy. They'd have the time to dig tunnels <laughs> under a town. <coughs> and then we got to go... Uh, 
yeah, we got to go up into this building um, that the lady owned. And so what would happen would be the guy, the people would come in and she'd, a bell would ring and either she would answer or a guy that worked for her would answer or her parrot would answer. The parrot was actually trained to talk to people and have them come in to the waiting room. Now, we're talking about a special kind of, of house here, not just a normal house. Yes. <laughs> These were called cozy rooms. It was a house of ill repute or whatever you might want to say, so you probably got a bit of an education there. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, it was quite interesting hearing the stories about that place and, and some of the ways that that operated. <clears throat> yeah. I thought it was interesting that they taught the parrots to talk to people and that some days he'd sit in the windowsill and he'd hear everything that people said. So sometimes he'd be yelling things that might not be quite appropriate out the window at people walking past, <laughs> at people walking past this building. <laughs> okay. And the underground tours were very cool. They I were mean. cool. I feel like it'd be very cold to live down there. Yeah, but they had butcher shops down there. They mm -hmm. had uh, ice cream shop. They had, uh, they had a saloon. A, yeah. They had lots of lots of different things. They and again, a, we got a podcast with the, with the tour guide that took us uh, after the after the tour. And so some yes. of that will be talked about in that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from there we went to Craters of the Moon in yes. Idaho. Did. And what did you think that, of Craters of the Moon? That was cool, I think. What was your favorite part of Craters of the Moon? I just think all of the formations and the way that the lava flowed. And uh, I really like that big hill that you get to climb up and <laughs> yeah. look all over and see all the different things. Uh, I just, I thought Craters of the, well, I've been there several times and, and I've always enjoyed the hikes and, and the views. I feel like that hill would have been fun to sled down, bring your sled. <laughs> that could have been. I don't Except, think it would be fun to trip and roll down. But. No, <laughs> but if you had a sled, you could go sled down and you could like hook it up to Belle and have her pull you all the way back up. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> She'd quit long before that. And there, you we weren't able to let dogs out anywhere in, in mm -hmm. Craters of the Moon. It was they did. They not were not a very dog-friendly uh, park, but it was so cool. And there was one spot where you could walk out and you could actually look down into a, a like a hole, basically, and you, you could look get right up next to the hole and you could look down into it, which was really cool. And then we came home through Yellowstone Park. Yeah. And we saw some elk and we saw some of that kind of stuff there. Now, you saw a couple of different kinds of elk, didn't you? We did. Because over in Oregon, they have a different kind of elk than we have. They have the Wapati elk. And uh, we have... We have the Wapati. Yeah, we have the Wapati and they have Roosevelt elk. There you go. And so their elk, to me, looked like they were kind of shorter and stockier. And they were a slightly different color, like maybe a little bit darker. And our elk are more like tall and narrow, I guess, and they're lighter. And those ones have smaller horns than ours do. So well, we, we did saw, see we we saw some pretty nice bulls for the Roosevelt elk out there. Yeah, we did. We saw a few. I was very excited to see the different kind of elk. And then we and then we came home. But uh, oh yeah, we stopped at Arco too. 
Do you remember Arco? The first uh, city lit by atomic energy? Yes, I do remember Arco. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a very big town, but they had some I cool stuff there. I saw part of a submarine there. Yeah, I don't really know what it's doing there, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, did not think that I would see a submarine in Idaho, but and then, there, uh, there is one. And then uh, we, we made it home. Uh, there's one thing that we forgot, and you had a birthday while, uh, while we were on this trip. And we spent it someplace that was a lot of fun, I think. At least I yes. would have thought it was fun. I, I hope had you a lot did of fun. too. We went to Seaside, Oregon, and we got to go to the aquarium and we could look at everything. I saw an octopus and we we got to you could buy these little containers that you'd, they'd put fish in and you could go and feed the sail, seals and they'd do tricks. I, I came home and told mom, and the seals would just smack their blubber <laughs> <laughs> telling you to feed them. Or they'd kind of like pretend they were talking and smack their teeth together and they'd throw it to one and there'd be one that would just jump up and take it <laughs> and then the one that you were throwing it to would be like seriously you didn't throw me a tree i just did a trick for you <laughs> and you'd have someone that'd swim up to the edge and they'd kind of look at you they stick their flippers out and then they'd splash you i got very very wet there <laughs> they actually had to put a sign up on the outside that said danger Splash zone. Don't get your phones out <laughs> because the seals would come over and splash you. And they'd they jump up. They had a rock in the middle that you'd have one jump off, off on top of. And sometimes they'd like roll off the side and then look at you. So you'd throw them a treat. There'd be one that would go onto their little ramp and he'd roll over and look at you upside down. And then you'd have the hey, throw me one. Kind of doing the head nod. I'm doing throw the it. head nod. Yeah, over it. here, over here. Come on. <laughs> you know you want to give me one. <laughs> but seaside's a lot of fun. Yeah, and we got to go. We got to uh, go to the arcade, which I thought was cool because I'd never been to one. They, they had, had a lot of cool games in that arcade. That arcade was a little bit different than than most of them that I think people would think of. They had the skee ball. They had basketball. Uh, they had games, a they had. VR headset roller coaster type thing. You'd put on the VR headset and the chair would just make different vibrations and stuff. And like what you looked through and saw would be like you were going on this ride, like in an animation. And you'd like be flying off cliffs and all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff. And it would feel like it was actually happening. It was cool. We had a VR ride that we took in uh, the Tillamo, or no, uh, the Spruce Goose Museum. The we Everton. did. And that one was a lot of fun. It was. You made me go upside down. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like you were flying a, a fighter jet. A fighter jet, and, yeah. Uh, and in a dog fight. And, and you could go was... side and side, and you could roll and roll and roll and flip and, over and, you and actually, upside down. You were actually, the, the, the capsule was actually mimicking what you were doing. If, if you felt like you were upside down, you were really upside down. Yeah. So you made us go upside down, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Did a couple loop de loops. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we got to ride a roller coaster in the same in Seaside. Um, a roller coaster. Well, it was basically a roller coaster. <laughs> it was a tilt a whirl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the tilt a whirl. Uh, it was. They've got a place there that has a couple of old style amusements. One of them being bumper cars. We did the yes. bumper cars twice. I hit everybody equally hard. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're good bumper cars. We we they were. We you had... could get 
going really fast and you'd hit somebody really hard and they'd spin around because Lauren decided to hit me really hard and I spun around and had to turn around <laughs> while people were still hitting me, turning around to go the same direction. <laughs> and then the tilt-a-whirl is, is another old amusement. I remember them from when I was a kid that has kind of a wavy ramp and then the, the, the little cart spin. spin around. And, and one... you'd get like to the top and you'd have most of your weight on one side and so the the, the, your seat would just start spinning in really fast circles as it went down, and then it slowed down, and then you'd get to the top of another one, and it would switch directions and go really fast the other way. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, uh, I guess that was that was pretty much our day in Seaside. We walked around and hit all the little shops, and carousel, yep. there was a carousel yes, there. Yes, I got too. to ride a carousel. I, I rode on the horse. <laughs> and so, okay, so out of all those things that we did, what was your favorite? Um, probably seeing the beach. Seeing the beach. Yes. Not walking on it? I liked walking on it. <laughs> I especially really liked watching Lauren run away from the waves. We'd be standing like 10 feet away, and then you'd have one really fast wave come in, and it would come 20 feet in, so... <laughs> it was really funny watching Lauren run away. <laughs> I don't like getting my shoes wet. <laughs> It was extremely cold because <laughs> there was one time when I was trying to take a picture of the water and then the water came at me so I was taking a picture while running away and then I got wet because I didn't run away from the wave fast enough. <laughs> what about the cave, the mysterious cave? Oh, that was cool. Um, you could walk through this. There was it like was a that tunnel. ocean side. Yeah, and there was like a tunnel and you could walk through it on the other side. It was rocky and you could collect those little um, agates. agates. They were cool. We found, I found a sand dollar walking over there to the cave. So I collected a total of four sand dollars. Well, we got a total of four sand dollars on this trip. <laughs> I guess I didn't collect all of them all by myself. There was but. one very generous man who, who donated a couple bucks to the cause. <laughs> yes. So I didn't collect all of them, but we met a nice person that gave me a couple. So the beach was your favorite part. Yes. And we spent a lot of time on the beach. Yes, because it's been a long time since I've seen a beach. Well, good. Well, I am so happy you came on this trip with us. It was so much fun for me, and I know Linda had a blast, too. Uh, I'm glad you got your schoolwork done satisfactory to where you <laughs> didn't get expelled and have to come live with us forever, uh, <laughs> even though we would have we we taken that consequence had it, had it come our way. You, you think me living with you is a consequence? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you were a joy to have. We, we had so much fun. And like I said, it was so much fun to have her just from seeing things from her perspective and a lot of this stuff I have done before, Linda has done before, but to be able to share it with somebody young, energetic, and, and excited what just made our trip so much more entertaining, so much more fun, and we really, really enjoyed having you along. So, uh, so glad, so glad. And, uh, you know, as I always finish these things out, the world is full of wonder. And sometimes it's fun to see it from somebody else's perspective. Everybody needs to get out, see things, enjoy it, and have an absolutely wonder-filled day. All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? 
For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?